0: Good afternoon, or I guess good night, everybody. This is the Feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell,
1: along with my co-host, Brock. Brock, how are we today? I'm doing well. It's always good when you don't have to start the the uh, episode with a personal dig or anything going on in my personal life, so <laughs> I'm glad we can keep the conversation about basketball this time. There go. Uh, but- we we've got a fun episode today, Austin. So enlighten our listeners.
0: Yeah, I think with the uh, with the rumors about the season beginning in late December instead of January or even like February or March, I think it's uh, we're we're going to see an uptick and maybe a, a a much more quicker pace to free agency. So I thought we would, and maybe you know some of the some of the off season activity. So I thought it would be worth just kind of skip on around some trade ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we get started, do want to issue a disclaimer to the, to the listeners and the viewers Um, again. And speaking of you guys can leave comments, ask questions, whatever engage with us. We're always uh, eager to to talk, to talk with you guys during the show and whatnot. Um, And, you know, give us a five star review or rating and then a review and subscribe on apple pods at the feed to Embiid. you always appreciate uh all the support we can get but quick disclaimer uh this is this is not us reporting rumors or, or, or anything no. um this is just merely throwing ideas and seeing how you would feel and maybe evaluating each from the both from the from the standpoint of both teams that are involved in said trade scenario so without, thir- without further ado we shall begin brock do you want to give one and i'll give one or do you want to you know, give my five and then you give yours hey you yeah, let's
1: go let's go one for one okay uh, that way we can see different perspectives um, Okay, i know okay. you and i we we chatted briefly before the podcast i saw um you weren't too happy that I sent you my trades because it was supposed to be a surprise. So I went back and I uh, made four or five more in the trade machine. So I've got some surprises, but I'll start off with a really low floor trade with okay. a high reward, in my opinion. Uh, and and of course, you gave the disclaimer. Uh, there are no rumors these are going to happen. And, and this is just spitballing. But I started in the Eastern Conference okay, and I went after Evan Fournier in Orlando. Uh, and, and I threw in a pick just because uh, I didn't want to seem like Philadelphia was giving too much for just Fournier. Uh, so in this trade, the Sixers would acquire him. Uh, one year on his contract left $17 million, and it's a player option and a 2020 second round. But on the other end, Philadelphia ships to Orlando. Hooneto, who's just uh, a cap filler because his contract expired. Uh, so we just threw him in there to fill the cap. Josh Richardson. A uh, Furkan Korkmaz and a 2022nd from Philadelphia via Atlanta. So, in my opinion, I think this is a trade that benefits, benefits Philadelphia really well. You get a guy who's multidimensional in the half court. Uh, obviously, a, a more reputable shooter than Furkan Korkmaz, and I think in terms of what he can bring to the offense, uh, he provides a little more flexibility than than Josh Richardson. And defensively, uh, you can make up for that. So, I think Philadelphia nabs. Uh, prosper out of Orlando's department, uh, their scouting department, and maybe they get the phones ringing and, and trade and potentially acquire Evan Fournier. What do you think? So, so just to recap: Evan Fournier,
0: Josh, Howell, Neto, mm-hmm. and and what else was it?
1: Quirk, Quirk, Quirk. Bobber. Bomber. Depending on who you ask, and then of course the second I round. I think, is
0: there, yeah, I, I, well, I think it makes it a lot easier for Orlando to like accept because Fournier isn't expiring, and I right. don't envision them bringing him back because, I mean, he's going to want like probably around eighteen twenty mil. Yeah. Um, I, I would think, and he's been pretty bad in the playoffs a couple of years in a row, so I mean that that is a, a it is a very strong argument against the case of giving him that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Orlando is compelled to maybe try to change things up because I think with him averaging 19 points per game and basically being one of their three primary scorers, their ceiling as a franchise is pretty low. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that they can get past the seven seed, really. Certainly, prob- certainly, barring the injury of an opponent, can't get out of the first round of the playoffs, so I think that it is worth changing up. I think Josh and Cork – and Howl Neto. I don't even think they can trade Howl Neto unless it's a sign and trade.
1: No, they couldn't. Situation. He was just he was just a cap hole there just to make the trade work on the the trade proposal machine. But you can update that with picks or players, sign oh, uh, and trade. Oh,
0: I I think the Magic probably would do that.
1: Okay, so we'll go do that. We'll go one and for I, one,
0: and I think the Sixers would definitely do that too. I,
1: yeah, I, I think it's it's. A low risk, high reward type of trade, and, and yeah, um, you now, can bring that the production offensively. Go ahead.
0: Now, i I have a similar trade.
1: Okay. I have
0: the Sixers getting Fournier. Okay. Uh, Magic get Josh because I think Josh is going to be used in some way to 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 to, uh, to unlo- unload some money or mm-hmm. just used as like the primary, I guess, roster controlled asset. In yeah, a trade with like a team that isn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um to get, you know, like an expiring back, whatever. So Josh, Matisse. Oh, okay. Mike Scott. Three player. Okay. And a 2020 second round pick via the Knicks. So basically all for What?
1: That's that was just all for Fournier?
0: Yeah. And so here's my here's my logic. It's I think it I think it kind of works in like it's like a two-part trade that I think works because Fournier's salary is huge. Um, so like Josh and Matisse are sort of like, this, this is your return for giving us Fournier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of, I think it's pretty equal Josh and, and Matisse for Fournier. Then it's, oh wait, we're going to also ask you to take on Mike Scott to fill out, to make that make that money work and then thus freeing up 4.8 to 5 mil, um, you know, off of his contract and we will even pay you to take on Mike, spot, Mike Scott by giving you a second round pick. So it kind of works. It, it kind of works in two different ways. You see what I'm saying there? So like basically, there's like it's like a multi-purpose, multi-dimensional trade.
1: Okay.
0: I think. I think the I think the Magic would definitely do that.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. The reason why I'd be hesitant to do that is because with Fournier expiring, and we already talked about the money being problematic, giving Fournier 18, 19 plus million dollars on a per season basis. I think you could get away with giving Cork, Miles, Richardson in the third because, like I said, you can bring back that offensive production. But I think the ceiling of Theibel and given his age and the roster control they have with him right now, uh, that would be a little too much to give up for Fournier. But I did include Theibel in a trade for Victor Oladipo. I know that Indiana has made it public that Victor Oladipo would be available uh, via a trade offer they can't pass up, and Philadelphia also expressed interest. And I'm looking at Indiana, and I'm like, Indiana's paying Turner. They're paying Sabonis, uh, Doug McDermott's a power forward, TJ Leaf. There, There's a crowded host of forwards and centers on that team. Why the hell would Indiana want Al Horford? And and, and more specifically, yeah. for Victor Oladipo. So that's why I put a guy like Thibel on a trade for Oladipo. I think you could get uh, a Tier 3, Tier 4 NBA player on the brink of being a star for maybe Thibel's potential. but. Uh, for Fournier, I wouldn't trade viable. Okay,
0: well, so with the Indiana thing, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. I think people yesterday saw um, Michael Kasky Blomain's tweet about like the Sixers mm-hmm. could could look at him. I think mean, I think they could, but I also think like I think he's sort of at an impasse because his market, in his mind is a lot, it should be a lot higher than it is in reality mm-hmm. around the NBA, um, and I think Indiana kind of wants to keep. Um, keep Sabonis at center, or keep him at power forward, sorry. Um, and so, uh, wait, no, other way around. They want to keep him, they want to keep Sabonis at center and yeah. not play him at power forward. So I, I I kind of don't see a, an avenue where it makes sense for them to take on Horford's money. Um, and I think people, like, have to stop overvaluing Matisse Style. Like, he's a really good perimeter defender, but there's a lot of really, uh, like, pr- like pretty good high high ceiling wing defenders in the NBA and he gives you next to nothing on offense besides the occasional three-point shot. Mm. And so I I mean I just think you, you we can't live in a world where the fan base is up in arms over like any kind of scenario that doesn't involve viable He should be if, if that's what it takes to get you off of a contract or to get something that fits here better while also being an expiring contract. So if it doesn't work out well then you just cut your losses at the end of the season. You, you, you can't have, you can't hang on the for that. I yeah. think 48 is too valuable for my, one season.
1: My only counterpoint to that would be so we talk week in and week out about how Philadelphia mismatches yeah. and how they need to nurture these <laughs> first and second round picks. And then you look at everybody Sixers let go of, like Jeremy Grant, Robert Covington, Dario Sarge, Mikhail Bridger, all these names, and it's like at some point you're gonna have to keep and develop one of these guys. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Right. But the same by the same token, I would say not being able to do that, not being able to hang on to cheap or, or to, to the cost controlled assets is the price that you have to pay for making dog shit decisions. Of course. In yeah. this, in, in, in the in free agency recently.
1: To put it right nice, to put yeah. It nice, yeah.
0: So I, I, I do think that the magic would absolutely jump at that trade. Mm-hmm. Josh, Matisse, Mike Scott, and a second. I don't think that Philly would do it. I don't think the Sixers would do that trade. Mm -hmm. I think it's I I I think it's pretty heavy for a guy who is a really good player on like a mediocre team. Um, And so, you know, I I don't think that would go through. Yellow Jack Media or Last Out Media says, "Sub fellows, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in." Um, Greeny Green says he wouldn't trade Matisse for Fournier straight up. I don't think you could do that because of the cal- of the salary salary differential. Mm-hmm. Like okay. in four Fournier's, Fournier's making like upwards of fifteen mil per year, and Thibault is making like what two, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even then, I would do that trade. Like that wouldn't I wouldn't think twice about it. So you I take, would trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. absolutely, I would. Absolutely, I would.
1: Uh, Brock, give yeah, us your second trade. Yeah. So I explored a lot. With trying to dump this man Al Horford's contract, and it hasn't <laughs> been because you look around the league, and it's like, why should anybody give Al Horford, or, or give assets for Al Horford, rather? But uh, I came up with one that really intrigues me, and this isn't for a Western Conference team that everybody's talking about in in Sacramento to get Buddy Hield. Uh, this is actually New Orleans, and this is I a like trade. It. I would love if Philadelphia could stage this. I thought about this, yeah. It's just a matter of, is New Orleans willing to take this contract on? Uh, There's a lot of guys on their team that are no longer under contract. They have a lot of spots to fill, uh, and and specifically there's youth and and experience at the forward position. So uh, maybe New Orleans has interest in bringing this contract on, but uh, the trade I ultimately came up with was Al Horford, Josh Richardson, and a 2020 second round from Philadelphia. Uh, for the former 76 or Drew Holiday and a local kid, the former Villanova Wildcat Josh Hart.
0: So it's Al. It's jo- it's Josh Richardson. Yeah. For Drew
1: and Josh Hart.
0: Okay. See, I think New Orleans can get a much better return for Drew Holiday. Like, I yeah, think absolutely. I, I think I think there's a chance they could get Karis LeVert from them from the Nets.
1: Mm-hmm. Or maybe,
0: or maybe, or maybe even, like, Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets for, 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 for Drew Holiday.
1: I think with New Orleans, uh, there were rumors that there was going to be a lot of overhaul or, or overturn, I should say, and the team was maybe going to part ways with Lonzo Ball this offseason. But I think <laughs> the team's not going to give up on Lonzo yet. Uh, I think <laughs> they really like that Zoe and, and Zion pairing. And I think if you complain about floor spacing with Ben Simmons and him not shooting the basketball – of course, Lonzo's got the strap. He had a great year shooting three ball, but you saw what happened in the bubble. If he can't hit that shot uh, offensively, he gives you next to nothing other than facilitating or, or maybe ball handling and uh, kickstarting the offense. But in terms of his individual offensive production, if he can't hit that three ball, he he doesn't really give you much. So uh, the floor would shrink drastically if Philadelphia traded for Lonzo Ball, in my opinion, at the moment. And I don't think New Orleans is ready to give up on him. They They have a new coach there. Uh, so, I think they're going to try to play around with the culture a little bit before they get rid of Zoe. Uh, but Drew Holiday is a guy who I definitely think at this point, uh, making $25 million, expiring contract, uh, getting up there in age, New Orleans would try to flip for some assets. And Austin, uh, you raise a great point. So, for Philadelphia, I think they do this trade in a heartbeat for Drew and Josh if they could stage it. But uh, on the other end, New Orleans, uh, I don't think they do it. I. So, w- one thing
0: that I think that they, the Orleans is maybe considering a little more than, than you think they are is the idea of trading Lonzo. I think number one, he really pissed them off with like, the way that he was like checked out in the bubble, and, like, mm-hmm. like was like playing like garbage. And then like the fact that he was just like slumming it and chilling by the, by the pool whenever that they weren't like put a bad taste in their mouth. Like, they weren't happy with that, with that, about that. Um, so I think that there's sort of some sort of strain in the relationship there. And I also think that they want to re-sign Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if you're going to do that, you, you probably can't afford to bring back Lonzo if he's going to get 12 to 15 mil per year, I think. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that maybe New Orleans would look to get off of his money because I think that it just makes – Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense to like the fans' perspective, or maybe even like someone who isn't closely monitoring the situation. But I I, I tend to think that that's something that that could that could happen for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it's an interesting scenario. I think I think people think that Drew is a much better shooter than he is. Like he wasn't that great of a shooter this year. Mm-hmm. Am I am I wrong? I think I think I'm I think
1: I mean, uh, he's a he. It's true because he is a pretty pedestrian shooter, but it's everything else he gives you that that makes yeah, him such sure. a nice shooting guard.
0: For sure. He's like one of the most underrated defenders in the, in the perimeter in the NBA.
1: Yeah, if not the sure. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, I like that trade for the Philly. I don't think New Orleans does that trade.
1: Yeah. The more I think about it, Austin, you just said, yeah, the team might explore maybe even dumping through holiday salary, for example, at $25 million. Yeah. Well, what makes you think they want an older Al Horford who's getting twenty-seven million dollars? So two more mil than Blue Holiday, and, and the only asset you really get back is Josh Richardson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think there is something to be said. Like Stan Van Gundy does, like you know, like defensive-minded guys like that. Um, like like Josh would be, and I think Josh I think Josh may like f- thrive under a more structured system yeah. that Stan can provide. Um but I, I I don't know. I, I just think that, that David Griffin was not happy with the way that he acted in the bubble, and I think they want to pay Brandon Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. that's just me. so the, the next one that i that I cooked up, which is a pretty simple one, but I think it's helpful to the sixers in a lot of ways. Um, sixers receive cash. <laughs> I don't
1: like the, um, I don't like the <laughs> I don't know how this thing. The
0: Knicks receive Mike Scott okay, in a 2020 second round pick.
1: I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely yeah. fine with that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Knicks are going to have like 40 plus million in cap space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I was, I heard I listened to some podcasts. I, heard, I forget. It might have been like the Windhorse Hoop Collective. By the way, have you ever listened to that? It's good no. content. It's good content, but he just talks over everybody. He interrupts yeah, the whole show.
1: I'm not, I'm not a fan of his. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's made it of stalking LeBron James. So,
0: well, he's 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 laughing at us cuz he's sitting where we want to be, right? Yeah, um true. But um true. But, so like like they were thinking they wanted to trade for Chris Paul because I mean, they could absorb his entire contract with their with their cap mm-hmm. space. Like like they have 40 million cap. Chris Paul is making 40 mil. <laughs> so, <laughs> that true. works. But the Knicks could take on Mike Scott's 4.9 mil, get a second round pick to go with it. Um Stretch it or, you know, wave him whatever. So that way, then they don't have to like, keep on the roster or play him. They just have to pay the contract. The Sixers get off the money and they can use that towards free agency. Who knows? Maybe even use like a mid level exception type item on a guy like Jay Crowder or someone.
1: Yeah. I mean, over half of the Knicks' roster from last season was it's power forwards. Nine <laughs> of the 17 <laughs> rostered players were power forwards. So it would only be fitting if they traded for another and Mike Scott.
0: Philadelphia seventy Knicks, yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I think New York would probably do this because I mean that's that that's how that's how rebuilding teams mm-hmm. get value. They take on bad, they take off dead money, take on dead money, and they. Say okay, we'll, we'll take the contract, but we need second round pick. And that's an added, that's an added asset. I think the Knicks would do that with 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 the uh, if the second round pick was good enough. Like I don't think they're going to do it. for the Lakers second round pick from the Sixers, but maybe like Atlanta's second round pick. Mm-hmm. That's 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 my trade. But what you? What's here your your next one?
1: Yeah, let me. Let me, let me see how you feel about this one because this is something I think can really benefit Philadelphia. And, again, this okay. is a really low-risk trade with really high reward upside. Uh, so, Philadelphia stays out west. They trade with Denver, and they get Will Barton and Monty Morris. Wow. <laughs> for the money, Will Barton, close to 14 mil two years, Monty Morris only 1.7. Uh, so, neither are making that much money. And the return for Denver, would be Mike Scott, so you get that $5 million MLE off – of your cat, Josh Richardson and Zaire Smith. Now, the problem with these trades is I, I try to remove the Philadelphia bias when I think uh, about putting myself in the shoes of another general manager. And if you're Denver, I don't know what you look at this trade at and you're 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 really like intrigued by because it it's it's only Josh, Zaire and Mike Scott. Uh, but at the same time, Monty Morris is gonna make money, so you're gonna have to open your wallets and pay him and uh, with a couple of pending free agents, he he may not be the priority there in Denver. Uh, and Will Barton is a really productive player. He's had a really lucrative career in Denver. Uh, but I think Josh Richardson, you kind of hit the nail on the head, is a player that can thrive in a system. And in Miami, he showed flashes of being a really promising shooting guard and, and, and a hybrid three. And I think of Philadelphia with some limited opportunity and more offensive responsibilities in the half court because you've got a guy in Ben Simmons who – that uh, doesn't shoot and maybe Joel Amid's woes caused Richardson to do some different things. So I think in a system that's already molded, uh, Richardson could be a player that could be really good. And Denver needed that, that, that kind of secondary guard in the playoffs. Gary Harris came and gave them a burst. But uh, Josh Richardson is a guy who can consistently defend. He can defend other teams' best guards. And offensively, he can give you 15 every night. And in some of his best games, he could give you 30-plus. So he can space the floor and he can contribute in a system – and I think adding Zaire Smith is also something Denver may want to explore. Uh, Denver took a risk with MPJ. It worked out well. And Zaire Smith is a guy who's really young. Uh, he was a year younger than Mikhail Bridges when the Sixers actually drafted Mikael Bridges. So Zaire has plenty of upside. Uh, no team really knows what he looks like. There's very limited film, and he's only had time in the G League. But this is a guy with incredible bounce. He's a good defender. And uh, if it works out, he could be a really good and, and, and worthy player to have at the two position for a team.
0: Yeah, um, so I don't think Denver would do that trade. Uh-huh. I think they would laugh. I think they would laugh at the Sixers. <laughs> I because uh, like Will Will Barton's sort of the heart and soul of that of that yeah. of that like second unit now. Um, even though he was starting the majority of the year, I think I think they view him Michael Porter as untouchable, uh-huh. and um, and so they'll probably like step in the sp- starting role. But I mean, I think I think Monte Morris is top two or three backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah. I think, and I yeah. think he's going to get a lot of money when when he's a free agent, like probably around ten, maybe a little more per year.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I don't, I that I mean those are two of Denver's better players. I I don't see a world where you're getting, you know, like 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 a like a really good shot creator and Will Barton, um, along with a be, the really good backup point guard for Josh Zaire, Mike Scott, unless you're giving up like a first round pick too.
1: Yeah, you have to attach a pick there. Which I'm
0: not. I'm not. I mean, I I like those both those players, but I I don't think it would make a lot of sense for the Sixers to give up another first-round pick.
1: That's the thing. We got at some point you got to draft in the first round and get a player. At some point (laughs) it has to happen.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the Sixers would be elated by that trade. I I don't think the, the Nuggets would even come close to being satisfied by it. Um, for me, the Sixers get Lonzo from New Orleans. Okay. And the roster begins to kind of make sense. People think like like, like Lonzo just simply can't shoot yeah. because, because, because of the because of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. He shot like 37-38% yeah. from three from three this past season on a volume of like eight attempts per game.
1: Yeah.
0: So he would have been the Sixers by far their best shooter this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I I tend to think that. So you get Lonzo, it kind of makes sense with 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 with, with your roster now because you have a, a guy who can shoot the ball, has really good full court vision, um, can is an underrated perimeter defender, I think.
1: Very yeah,
0: yeah. And, and so I, I think so they get they get Lonzo, Pelicans get Josh, okay. They get they get Zaire, okay. And they get a twenty twenty second round pick, and beautiful. Yeah. So the Sixers I think would jump all over that. So from the people, because from the people I've talked to about Zaire, everyone thinks he's gone. Like if, if people are like, "Yeah, it's a shame." Hopefully, the next thing will be a good fit. Um, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You, you, you're related to the guy. What, what are you talking about? And they're like, "Yeah, well." I'm like, "Whoa, this is wild." Um, so, Zaire, I think, even though people are like, "Why would anyone want Zaire?" He's like the nothing. That's mm-hmm. why people That's why there's some value to him because he hasn't done anything. There's nothing to go off of to say that he's a negative asset. He's caught as far as any team knows he's cost controlled. He'll happily put the pen to paper on, on whatever contract to give him next. Like you want to give him an extended tryout. And if he pans out, that's a basically a, a really cost effective, yeah. you know, perimeter player slash, you know, guard or forward, whatever. Um, I think New Orleans wouldn't do this unless you attached like another pick. So maybe two second round picks, yeah. maybe maybe Josh Zaire and a first, and then maybe the Pelicans throw on like Josh Hart or another asset that's like inexpensive to make the money work. But I think Lonzo Ball is a much better player than than, than that package would 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 return.
1: Yeah. And I love Lonzo Ball. Lonzo, like you said, is a really underrated perimeter defender. Uh, Offensively, I I think he has arguably the best full-court vision in the league uh, among the youth. Uh, So if you talk about guys that are under 26 years old, not many are better passers than Lonzo Ball. And the Sixers have one of the guys that is in Ben Simmons. So uh, if you compare the two of them together, the transition buckets will be crazy. The Bucks in the half court would be crazy because they'd be finding Joe in the right spots. And if Lonzo could space the floor, then it definitely works. So uh, I'm with you there. If, if New Orleans is willing to flip either Drew or Lonzo, I think Philadelphia has a pretty plausible chance of, of getting them because they can formulate some package for one of them. Uh, now, before I get into the Buddy Heald and, and Chris Paul nonsense, uh, because I know we're going to hash some things out with the two of them, I wanted to see what you would think if you were in Dallas' shoes and the Sixers call you with this trade, right? Okay. They ask for Tim Hardaway Jr. and DeLon Wright. I loved.
0: Down. I love Tim Hardaway Jr. I love Tim you, Hardaway Jr.
1: You know, like we, we can sit on this podcast all night and talk about underrated wings because there's plenty of them in the NBA. And he's and, one of them. T- Tim Hardaway is most definitely one of them, and his father was a great ball player, so – uh, it's only right that Tim's a great ball player. He's, he's the type of guy that goes under the radar, but offensively, he's a juggernaut. He's a dangerous player because he can light it up from beyond the arc, and uh, he can score in a multitude of ways. So, Philadelphia booty calls you. They're asking for Tim Hardaway and DeLon right now. Wait, 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 wait. Philadelphia booty calls Philadelphia, you. Did you say? stand up late. He calls Mark Cuban. he's wow. he's, 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 he's hitting him with this trade, right? That's the hotline bling. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's exactly right. He says, I'm going to trade to you Al Horford, Mike Scott, and Josh Richardson. You're going to trade us oh. Tim Hardaway and DeLon Wright. Maybe throw in a Dorian Finney-Smith to make the cap work. Maybe maybe put some picks in there. But uh, that is a general centerpiece. Hardaway and DeLon Wright. What do you think?
0: What are the are giving back?
1: they giving away or getting back? What are they getting back? Oh, no, no, no. What are, they, what are they giving away? Al Horford, away. Mike Scott, and Joshua Richardson. There's no way. I, I don't – I don't think they do it. I, it, it. Here's the thing. We think we're outsmarting everybody because we know these <laughs> are rooms, The guys that are in control of the money and the organization, they know who these players are too. So I'm trying to be slick here on behalf of Philadelphia's front office, but I know most of these wouldn't work.
0: Well, well, well so my thing is, is this. Why would Dallas want Al Horford?
1: Well, I, I just think the the inconsistency they've had at the center position can maybe benefit them, um, and and in Dallas's offense, which runs from the top of the key, uh, if Luke is not isolating, somebody's got to be there to set screens, right? Uh, so you you've had injury with Dwight Powell, you've had injury with Chris Tabs Porzingis, uh, Maxi Klebach can can play that five, but uh, teams can run them off. So maybe a guy like Al Horford who can give you the pick and pop or. Who'd be committing to committed to setting screens or maybe popping at the mid range, uh, could help a team like Dallas. But at the same time, I don't know how trading away a player like Tim Hardaway would would help Dallas any more than getting Al Horford would.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this why would Dallas accept that trade and not like Tim Hardaway, Delon Wright, Dorian Finney Smith for Oladipo?
1: Well, if Indiana if Indiana proposes that, hell yeah, you accept that. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, I I like the trade for the Sixers. I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're asking for a lot of return on Al Horford, yeah. uh, especially, and you're also asking them to take on Mike Scott, it's basically actively get worse. Yep. Um, and then I guess Josh is kind Tell of something you. that. Josh can kind of fit there, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, you're, you're asking for like two basically two starters in return. Yep, um, so I think that's a tough ask. I think Mark Cuban asks, Are you calling me from your cell phone? <laughs> it's just only because you need my love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk that one up. What's the next trade? I'm gonna act like I didn't hear that. I'm turning this off. <laughs> Quick, quick, quick
0: word from our sponsors. Uh, Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. Also, a tab, puller, vent, puncher, and all fits on the keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co, and Cobra is with a K. For a 10% discount on all Cobra products, enter the code just the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Brock, I think you are hinging that trade on Mark Cuban using a King Cobra. <laughs>
1: well, uh, Someone not- might be involved if <laughs> Elton Red's making that booty call. He's up late at night. He might have some wine in him, but look, I've got Greeny Green in the comments section coming Listen, to my listen,
0: listen me, me and Mark Cuban are going to be on this, uh, this, 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 this yeah. barefoot. Is barefoot action right here. Yes.
1: How uh, you're feeling? That, uh, shout, shout out. out yes, shout yes, out. Great. Shout
0: out barefoot. Shout out barefoot. Um, Greeny green says, I think they might do that trade. Doesn't that uh, do that. Dallas doesn't value Delon right much. Uh, and I could see Cuban liking a veteran center like Horford. Um, so are you, I think it, I guess it could work in a sense. Mm-hmm. But well, no, it wouldn't work. And here's why. Because they want to bring in they, they have their eyes on Giannis. And if you bring in Horford, you're not getting Giannis.
1: This is also true. But yeah. I mean Tim Hardaway and, and Delon Wright are making a combined twenty-eight million dollars or more than that between the two. So uh but at the same time, Richardson's making ten. Okay, I I understand that. Yeah. I mean you, you trade away okay, I understand that. Yeah, so
0: like 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 Dallas is already paying Porzingis five years, whatever hundred, basically a the max. Yeah. They're gonna ha- they're gonna obviously have to max out Luca, mm-hmm. and they're gonna, they're gonna they want they want to go after Porzing uh, Greek Freak or Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't know why, but all the names are in my head. It must have been too much barefoot. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I don't see where they're taking on uh, Horford unless it's, and maybe that door opens if. Giannis is like, listen, I'm going to Miami or I'm staying in Milwaukee, and like, all right, let's move on. Then, um, he also said, Greeny Green also says, I also think they might like Jay Rich better than Hardaway. That's what I think. They might, and I think, I think maybe you could sell that Josh didn't like his role in Philly or whatever, but I think he definitely kind of lowered his trade value this year, and it wasn't like he just had decline on one side of the court. He was basically bad on both ends of the court. Yeah. which is which is more than which is more than I think you can just chalk up to it was a bad system because then you have to say well it was a bad system on both ends which it was but Ben Simmons didn't have a catastrophic decline in his defense
1: and I mean Josh is is an experienced PR player uh, while he's not a great PR ball handler that was a huge part of his game in Miami and Miami was where there was a system in place and Miami was where he played his best basketball so he comes to Philly he gets her early I think it was his hamstring in in November. It gets her early. Brett Brown's the head coach. Maybe doesn't utilize him the right way. Uh, can't run that pick and roll as often, and and he's kind of propelled into a role that entails way more than he should actually be doing. So I think you could sell Jay Rich as as more of an asset than maybe we're giving him credit for. And I do think Al Horford, if he would be a serviceable center on any team, it would be in Dallas. Um, but it just depends what what they want to do with Wright and, and Hardaway because. Uh, Wright's a guy who's going to play 20, 25 minutes a game for him. But at the same time, if you have such a ball-dominant player, Luke Doncic, uh, then what exactly is Wright's role on a nightly basis?
0: Yes, yeah, so. for sure. I I think I think you have a lot better chance of underselling or, 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 or maybe a, a, of pitching Josh's value well. Mm-hmm compared to horford i think i i think they they have a lot of stress and they have a lot of pressure to get rid of horford because if you if you don't get him off this season and then he has a second consecutive season where he's like this then it's not just that oh it was a bad fit but it was it's like no he's 34 declining and we owe him 85 million we're not taking him on Mm -hmm. no (laughs) it's not happening um so i i think it's going to be a scenario where you have to package them together in order to like
1: mm-hmm.
0: get off plus or, picks.
1: or at least the first round pick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That- yeah, for sure. Demarcus Lewis says I know there's a new I know there's little to no chance to get JJ Raddock back. There's I think there's no chance of that I, I think bringing in Stan Van Gundy was like an yeah. ultimate sign that like JJ will be there. Yeah. Um but do you guys think there's any chance to get Roko back? It's interesting. I think it's a better chance now that Maury's Morey's out of the picture yeah. because that was basically a Moray had more a stamp all over it. And I think if they go, if they decide to go with a rebuild kind of thing, they might look to purge some of their current value to, to get assets back like picks. Cause they were, they've been kind of reckless with picks recently. <laughs> and uh, I mean, then I guess there's a possibility, but I, I tend to think as long as you have Harden on the roster, you're, you're, you're trying to win. And I think Rocco helps them win. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a pretty low chance, but I get, I think it's, I think there's a better chance than JJ happening. So I mean that kind of answers your question with like the context that you provided. Sure. Um, TDSFHH asks is Lonzo for Jay rich happening? I guess you picked up on my smile. <laughs> um, there's been some buzz. There's been some buzz. I, I, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I think there's some buzz to it. Um, but we shall see in time. Is, a lot, I
1: think is Lonzo's agency clutch now? Did did yes. he did he declare yep. a okay? Yeah. And, and, but but
0: but it, but it isn't just that. There there actually has been some like, hey, what do you think about this?
1: Yeah, off the record, probably. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. And so I, I I mean I think it's sort of a, there's a, those are just sort of like little signs that fans look at and they kind of brush over. Or they jokingly act, they think about, but I think there's actually a little bit of. Smoke to that. um For me, another one for Josh. If you don't if, you, if the fan if the viewers haven't haven't realized we're working hard to get rid of Josh Richardson from the Sixers. Well, I mean, <laughs> um,
1: even even though even that. though he like
0: even though he had, even though he had really good stretches with the Sixers, I I I just I, I think you have to get, I think you have to trade him. The Sixers return Josh Richardson to Miami, uh, and they get a backup center. So I think Sixers Sixers. Sixers received Kelly onick <laughs> and, and the, the Heat received Josh Richardson. And my rationale is I, I do believe every player with a player option, unless they like had a breakout season and criminally overperformed that player option, I think every player is going to opt in because the market is just so uncertain and teams are not going to want to spend a ton of money. So like when, we, when you hear that rumor that Andre Drummond might opt out of his 20 – Whatever million it was, twenty-eight million option. I like laughed at myself because I was like, "There's no way you're laughing at twenty million. You're never going to see that money ever again." Um, But but I think Kelly will opt in because he was basically played off the court for large stretches uh, this this season. Um, And if that's the case, I think the Heat might try to get off his contract and maybe re-sign re-sign Myers Leonard or maybe like another inexpensive backup center. There's someone that, 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 that is really cost-effective, is cheap. Um, so I think Miami would do that trade.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If if you're Miami, I think you do that. And the thing with Kelly O'Linick is that he shot over 37% from three uh, in, in multiple seasons. So Kelly O'Linick is a guy off the bench that can definitely space the floor for Philadelphia, but defensively, uh, he's not the backup center you want. Uh, I think you're underselling Richardson here a little bit. And the problem is there's this stigma that when players come to Philadelphia, they ironically forget how to shoot. It's like the thing you're seeing now with other players in the NFL thriving on other teams, Sidney Jones, Nelson Aguilar, uh, not on the Eagles. So if this is true, that players come to Philadelphia and forget how to shoot, which I think it's going to change now that uh, there's the new head coach and everything. But if this is true and you traded Josh Richardson, now we're stuck with Kelly O'Linick, one of the goofiest looking players in the NBA for 72 <laughs> games, and you get him shooting 33% from beyond the arc, and then you wish you never made that trade. So um, this is something where if you're in Miami, I-, I think you do it, you get Richardson back under Spolster and-, and in that system where he did well in before. Um, but I, I think we're underselling Richardson a little bit here uh, and just getting Kelly Olynyk in return.
0: Well, so here's my thing with like the backup center idea. Mm-hmm. You don't need your backup center to play 25 minutes per game. You, need him, play, you need him to play an off night when, 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 when Joel can't play. And even then you're probably going to go like five out and let Ben just run down the middle of the floor. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you're you paying a backup center to play 13 good minutes per night, really. Cause you want it. Cause you're, you're hoping to play MB 32 to 35 minutes. So let's say 13 to 16 good minutes every, every, every night. I think a lot of guys can do that. Um, And and so I do I I do tend to think that Olenek makes a lot of sense there. And in terms of like, like aren't we selling Josh's value a little bit there? Yeah, just like when the Sixers traded Jimmy
1: Butler for Josh Richardson. (laughs) Obviously,
0: well, they they owe us a favor. They, They owe the Sixers a favor back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. The thing is, I mean, o- Olenek h- historically in Miami has played about 20 minutes a game off the bench. Um, that- that's probably not what he's going to get in a nightly basis if he's on a team like Philadelphia. Um, but the thing is, Joel Embiid, given his history with injuries, is, um, I guess, cautiously an injury prone player, uh, whether whether that's his decision or uh, management not-, not letting him play. I can't imagine that the Sixers would feel confident rolling out Kelly Olynyk at their starting five on Joel Embiid's nights off or in, in the stretches of months when Joel Embiid can't play uh, you're, you're digging yourself a hole there. So I think the Sixers need to allocate some money into a backup center position. And um, that's definitely what cost them in the playoffs for a couple of series, but I didn't imagine they'd give Al Horford $28 million over the course of four years. So I think if, if you can get a different backup center, uh, you you can most definitely do that in free agency, and you probably won't have to trade Josh Richardson for him.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, TDSFHH says my trade idea is Horford for Aldridge, and then trade LMA for Rosier or Fournier. So I think number one is we're that 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 trade is underselling Aldridge, mm-hmm. um, and I think number two, it's sort of like why wouldn't the Spurs just then trade Aldridge directly directly for, for, for Rozier. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's sort of like my thinking with that. And I think Rosier would be a good fit with the Sixers. I don't, um,
1: think, I don't think Charlotte trades him yet.
0: Not yet. Not neither do I. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just that's just me. Um, he also says Spurs love old centers who are really well with Pop and there are rumors of LMA leaving. I actually think that Demar Derozan is 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 headed headed out too, and I think maybe that that trade looks like, um, like something with Sacramento, um, maybe something with Detroit. I, I think those are all possibilities, um, but we shall see. What do you guys think about the idea of signing? Marcus Soule with the MLE and t- maybe trading back for Bobon to help with load management for Embiid.
1: Bad idea. <laughs> the latter half. I like Bobon, man. Uh, I thought Boban uh, was, was dominant, man. He's OP. <laughs> Boban can't be stopped. He's got – listen, listen, listen. I, who, who, who didn't love Bobon? But mm-hmm. –
0: his inability to stay on the on the court in a playoff game was part of what inspired the Sixers to go he's and fouled. sign Al Horford.
1: <laughs> like possession.
0: Yeah, and I think Marcus Sol is going back to Spain, unless that's yeah. changed. But I think he's going back to Spain. Um, if he isn't, I would I would jump at that opportunity if I'm the Sixers. I mean, for sure he might. I mean, he might. Want to start, but
1: no, and here's why you don't because the last time we all got fooled into getting Joel and Embiid- be that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Last time we got an MB stopper, he forgot how to stop yeah. anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, top dog Izzy says trade MB for Josh Hart. Don't think that uh, under the current regime, probably not under the previous regime, I would that bet wouldn't be off the table. Oh, no, no, no. Um. <laughs> Alford Aldridge is thirty five, and seems like and Horford seems like a Spurs guy. Yeah, but a lot of people seems like Spurs guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anybody that doesn't do anything flashy, that, that doesn't yeah. dribble with the ball in front of them, doing crossover moves, take step backs, belongs in the Spurs.
0: Yeah, like the Spurs, the Spurs never wanted Kevin Durant because he was too flashy. <laughs> yeah. um, I think Aldridge might make might make sense going back to
1: Portland. I Look. like that. I like that a lot. Actually, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, what, what's the control for Nurkic? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know. No, I don't know. But
0: I think that's a trade that 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 would make sense for both sides. Um, top dog Izzy also says resign Allen Iverson. Okay, we think we get we get we get we get it. What he's trying to do. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the trades. Can you? So I, I gave you my Olinick for Richardson. Mm-hmm. What? Give me your next one.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is the final trade before we discuss Buddy Heald and Chris Paul. Okay. So I'm trading Al Horford, a 2021 first-round pick, the 2022nd round, and the round. So three picks, one of which is a first, and Al Horford, go to the Los Angeles Clippers in return for Lou Williams. I knew, I I knew it was coming. <laughs> and this, 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 this makes sense to me, right? Because... You've got a team in the Clippers who obviously have some trades to make or free agent signings to make in this offseason um, or lack thereof. However, however long or short it's going to be, uh, something has to happen in that window to appease Kawhi Leonard and PG. Uh, I don't believe many of the rumors about Kawhi and PG potentially splitting up yet, uh, but I do know that Los Angeles doesn't have much of a future in terms of assets. Uh, they've they've basically sold their soul for Kawhi and PG. So. Uh, they have very limited picks and, and and youth, so I think if they could get three picks here, a first round specifically, um, and even Al Horford to just kind of fill some cap and maybe get uh, veteran leadership, uh, um, um, maybe a chemistry building guy, somebody to mold the the starting five or maybe come off of uh, the bench in the power four to five position for just Lou Williams could be beneficial uh, for both teams. If if you're Philadelphia, I think you love this trade. Uh, Sweet Lou is is arguably. Uh, the best man off the bench to ever do it, and he's one of the best shot, shot creators in the game. Lou Williams' game will never go old. He's like Jamal Crawford. Uh, so if you're Philadelphia, I think you jump at this. If you're the Clippers, it makes sense. Um, you, you can get uh, Lou Williams and Tobias under Doc again. So I think Philadelphia will be enamored to make this trade.
0: So let me ask you this then. Um,
1: is Horford plus three picks
0: – worth the fact that Lou Will has now carved a reputation for being an underperformer in the playoffs? I mean, it's been multiple seasons in a row where he's just been horrible in the playoffs.
1: And he doesn't guard anybody. Of course not. Defensively, it's tough to have him. But at the same time, if you look at the flexibility has, or Philadelphia has, multi-positional defensive flexibility, uh, if the other team's best player is a one or a two, Lou Williams isn't going to defend them. Uh, and, and if it's a three through a five, Lou Williams isn't going to defend them. So I I don't think he is too much of a burden defensively at the end of games. And in terms of shot creation, I think people are a little disrespectful with Lou Williams. I mean, this is one of yeah. the best shot creators in the league. Sure. He can get a shot off from anywhere on the floor uh, and, and he can he can break down any defensive opponent. I remember uh, two years ago when Golden State in Los Angeles played in the playoffs and there was a couple of injuries, Lou Williams stepped up and, uh, he single-handedly dogged Golden State, and this was when he's 33 years old. This is what he's been doing throughout his career. So uh, defensively, he had a little bit of a resurgence in L.A. under Doc Rivers. He was he was getting more steals and uh, a league leader in that category, and offensively, uh, Lou's one of the best to ever do it. So here's what I'm thinking. A first-round pick for a 34-year-old guy uh, doesn't make much more sense, and then you attach two more picks, but here's where it makes sense. Lou Williams is due for $8 million with one year remaining on his contract. Al Horford is due for $28 million with three more years left on that contract. So if you can convince a team to take that contract and get it off of your books and you have to throw in a first round pick, I would do it. Uh, But the problem is not many teams are going to give up valuable players for Al Horford on that package. Uh, Lou Williams is a guy who still has value and you can help the Sixers immediately. Uh, So I I would do it perfectly if I'm Philadelphia. So
0: here's where I, I think the Sixers would absolutely jump at that. But I think the Sixers have to also consider that the other team would not jump for that. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Um so number one, basically by taking on Horford, you're saying you're saying and, and the three picks, you're saying this.
1: Sure.
0: So basically the implication is that Horford makes more sense than Montrez Harrell would because I think I Harrell, I th- I think Montres Harrell is going to they're going to let him walk I think. And okay. and, and and he's going to get I think I guess 12 to 15, 10 to 15 mil. So that's a it's a significantly cheaper price for a guy who's younger and a better player at this point. So I also don't think that makes sense and even if and even if you can find an argument against that you could also say, well, how about the guy that Doc Rivers basically didn't go to in the playoffs and instead went went to Harrell, and that would be Ivica Zubox, who fits perfectly in the role. He's a solid screener, cheap. Why, would, like, like, why wouldn't why they stick with that? Because their ultimate goal at the end of the day is to just build a better team around Kawhi and Paul Jordan and convince both of them to resign.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think with Horford – you have to then sacrifice depth. And I think it's a harder sell on them. Okay. So and, and I, I I think they would like picks, but I also think that they mortgage their entire future for a reason. That yeah. was because they're trying to win now.
1: And I think they only have two more years, if I'm not mistaken, two more years of control with Kawhi and PG together. Uh, so, so that window went from three to five years to now just two, if it even is two more years of control. Um from my perspective, I thought uh, if L.A. Could, could maybe salvage their future and get a couple of picks and uh, eat the Al Horford contract, they would do it. I mean, you just blew a 3-1 to lead in the playoffs. You fire your coach, you hire a new one uh, who was already on the staff, and there's already been rumblings about how bad their chemistry was this season. So uh, I, I think there needs to be a drastic change in that locker room for them, and I don't know which that player is going to be, whether it is Harold that departs or they trade Lou Williams, but – uh, the Clippers are most definitely going to be active. It's just a matter of what they try to do around Kawhi and, and PG in these next two years.
0: If you're the Clippers and the Sixers offer Ben Simmons, um, Ben Simmons, Josh, and like a second round pick, two second round picks for Lou Will
1: and Paul George, did the Clippers do it? I think, of course, I, I I, as Philadelphia should never do that. Um, but if you're the Clippers, I think you do that. Uh, like I said, you only have about a year or two left of control of PG and Kawhi. Uh, ben Simmons is still under contract if you were to trade for him today for four more seasons. And then you'd probably have to max him again. But if Kawhi leaves, uh, there you go. You have your superstar right in L.A. and you don't have to do anything. So I think definitely they, they would they would do that trade.
0: I don't think they would do that trade, and here's why. Really? I think I think if you do that trade, you're also risking pushing Kawhi up the door. Because if because think about it, he he said he would sign there if they got Paul George, and then you go yeah, and you trade bro. Paul George
1: for Ben Simmons. I did say same. I, I did say five or ten minutes ago. I don't believe the Kawhi and PG uh, soap opera, but at the same time, listen, man, Kawhi might be looking at PG like dog. You gotta step up. You gotta help me out here, man. You gotta you gotta Kawhi, by the
0: same token, Kawhi, shot six of twenty two in a game seven.
1: He did So yeah. the, the,
0: the, to the blame goes around. Yeah. And if and if and if he makes like well, they got blown out, but like, you know, it, it wasn't just it was like all like Paul George's fault. It wasn't like thunderstruck the Kevin Durant movie. It was it was like they all just collectively shit the bet.
1: But now let' – Let me ask you this. This is unrelated, but we're watching the 1983 NBA Finals, the Sixers and the Lakers, the series, the Sixers sweep the Lakers. Who's My roommates and I. We're we're watching it on TV. And one of my roommates, he didn't really consume any basketball, anything basketball-related before 2016. So he is a pretty narrow-minded. I'm going to pour some more uh, wine for this one. Go ahead. You're going to need it. Um, but he he knows he knows about old basketball. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's talking about, but we're watching the game. And mind you, there's like of both starting fives, probably four of the five are in the hall. Okay. And he tried telling me that Paul George would step onto that floor and dominate. The 1983 NBA Finals, Moses Malone, Julius Irving, Mo Cheeks, Bobby Jones, Jane. Look at the Lakers squad, too. I looked at him. I'm like, you can't be serious. And I thought it was funny because I had a holiday ruined. I, I don't want to say ruined, but it didn't feel like a holiday because the whole time my dad, me and my uncle were arguing about James Harden and, and, and old school basketball. And I was of the the belief that if James Harden stepped onto the court in 1980s, 19, nobody could guard him. They wouldn't know how to guard him just because of how creative he is. And how agile and everything he does. But now that I've had a few months to reflect on that and I, I kind of saw the perspectives, my my uncle, my dad's perspectives, I'm like, okay, it's it's a different game, but you'd have to, if you're gonna say a player from 2020 would dominate in 1983, what makes you three what makes you think that the player from 1983, given everything in 2020, this the is way they played wild? Them, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, if Paul George steps in the court. In a 1983 game, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know he's not going to dominate the game the, the way my know. roommate. Thought. See, like, I, I I can't have those conversations because
0: I just I don't know, and I, and I and I I think there's a lot of assumptions to be made there. My guess mm-hmm. is what would happen would be this: he steps on the court, and his like do it all kind of charade that is now like common in the NBA would take all of these guys by surprise, and they wouldn't really know what to do. <laughs> that's my but, guess.
1: You, uh, That's what I said too, but then that's just being really disrespectful to the Magic Johnsons and the Kareem Abbott. jabbar no, no,
0: no, no, no. And, and, and I agree. I agree, but I mean, how many guys were 6'8 with a tight handle and the ability to hit step-back threes back in
1: 1983? True, but here's also, here's also my thing, right? If we're going to say that, then we have to say this. If you look at round one and look at round two for the Clippers, who did the Clippers lose to They or or beat rather? They beat the Mavericks and and Denver, right? Yeah. There there was a couple of times where Paul George had flukes in the playoffs, scored less than 10 points, turned the ball over a couple of times, just had a game to forget. Now, if there's no notable defenders that you could name that should be stopping Paul George on either one of those teams, and there really shouldn't be. If Paul George is a top 12 player, a top 15 player, I can't name anybody on Denver right now that could guard, that that should be guarding Paul George, and I can't name anybody on Dallas that that should be guarding Paul George or, or has the capability to. So if he's getting held to less than ten points and having horrible games against these guys in 2020, why do we assume that he'd be able to do anything different against the Hall of Fame in in, in Magic Johnson or a Michael Cooper or Julius Irving? That's what I was thinking. Now, like, why why is Paul George gonna step out and dominate? Like, wh- what has what has given anybody any in any, any indication that Playoff P would step out on a 1983 Finals game and dominate?
0: I feel like I feel like you were doing some lewd activities that led up to this conversation.
1: We weren't. We just watched basketball. And <laughs> yeah, own, own yeah, okay. Ideas now, outside ideas off of each
0: you other. You were, you were in the bubble with the guys where there was none, there was a no weed policy. It sounds.
1: Oh man, or, or,
0: a, or where the weed policy was you're was
1: tarnishing my name publicly right now. I'm coming up with brilliant ideas. We're having powerful barbershop conversations, and you're a you being abusive to my name.
0: <laughs> my but guess is that,
1: that said, my, All my, my, get one hand check and cry, and he's telling the truth. I watched this game. It's crazy. I, I understand the T te- the, there wasn't an emphasis on three-point shooting, but it's crazy that like where where was there to go? Everybody was in the paint. Like, even if you're worried about driving and being met by Kareem Abdul Jabbar at the rim, Moses Malone's right next to him. So you got two bodies in the paint. You're not, you're not being defended by five players, just ten pa- nine players in the paint. You're getting your ass beat.
0: My guess would be. He would dominate game the first game he played and then they'd probably have him figured out by game three or four.
1: Okay, that, that's that's a good meet in the middle. That's what that's what our world needs more of. We we need a meet in the middle more often. You know <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Now here's my here's my last trade. Mm. We are running against the clock now. Yeah. Uh sixers get their buddy healed. Okay. And everyone is like weird it, it it's very, clearly he's a very polarizing player because yeah. one half of the spectrum is like He's not that good, yada yada yada. Um, other half is like we gotta get Buddy healed. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Okay, I think he. I think he's the perfect fit, mm-hmm. and I and I think you can sacrifice whatever his shortcomings are because he's such a damn good shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, but my trade was Corey Joseph, Corey Joe, Buddy healed. Okay, for Al. Okay, Josh. Their pick of Shake and Matisse. Okay, and a twenty twenty second round pick via the Atlanta Hawks.
1: So the Sixers give up Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Shake, and Matisse. One of one of them. They're their choice. Okay, yeah, and And, Corey Joe and. Buddy Heald.
0: And and a second-round pick from the Hawks, so a high second-round pick
1: for Corey Joe and Buddy Heald. I think the Kings would do that. I mean, I'm looking around the league. I'm like, why should anybody trade for Al Horford? And everybody <laughs> loves to assume that Sacramento wants to because of the rumors that they were interested in signing Al as a free agent. So if and this – there are some other rumors
0: that, I mean, you know –
1: You might be drinking a little too much of that wine. Over
0: <laughs> I, I tend to think that the Kings would do that. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think the Sixers would do that too. And I think the Sixers would be probably giving a slight overpay.
1: A slight overpay. See, like I look at Sacramento's roster – and there really isn't a, a, a center or a power forward on this roster that you'd want to roll out. And on the other hand, it's like, are you sure you want to roll out Al Horford as, as your starting center or power forward? But I think if you look at at all NBA teams that are in a position right now to take this contract on and, and be willing to take Al Horford's um, style of play at, at, what, 33, 34 years old, Sacramento is the team that would be probably most inclined to do it. But I I think if we're going to ask about all of these other trades, why would a team do it? This is my question to people proposing trades to Sacramento. Uh, What incentive is there for Sacramento to trade Buddy Hill to Philadelphia for Al Horford? But Austin, I think you kind of answer that question in including Shake Milton or Matisse Stiebel. I think that's where people are really getting lost in transition. Plus a pick. Plus a pick. Despite the chemistry problems that Sacramento's had with Buddy Heald and his coaches and and even the front office uh, and last season, what went on with him sitting in the fourth and being outspoken about it, I think Sacramento is willing to move Buddy Heald, and Buddy Heald probably doesn't want to be in Sacramento. uh, But I don't think Al Horford is the sell there. I think it's Shake Milton and Matisse Dival. This way Sacramento gets something to build with. Uh, a little bit of youth, I and mean, the contract. They get a center or forward that they can play and, and maybe um, take Bagley under his wing and Al Horford, or uh, I, I don't know. Al Horford seems like a seamless fit with a team like Sacramento. So I so, think answer answered that there with not <laughs> being included.
0: So here is what I think. I think it makes sense because I think it allows Sacramento to play at a slower pace
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that kind of allows them to unpack the De'Aaron Fox pick and roll game. Um, and I also think that they would like to re-sign Bogdanovich. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to extend him when you already have healed, but if you get a piece that fits better, like Al Horford, at least it makes more sense to extend him, even if you're like you're up against the cap or whatever. Um, and then I also would say um you're getting back shake and Matisse. So that's like a foundational role player you can build upon. Plus a very high second round pick, which I think in this year's draft is a pretty nice asset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of reason for both sides to get that trade done. Um, Sue Belmo, Sue Belmo says trade for CP three for Tobias, J. Rich, 20, 2020 yeah. second round pick and shake Milton. I think people got to stop, get stop with the Tobias Harris trades. Cause it, I, and I, you, you know, I'm one of the biggest Tobias Harris advocates out there. Mm-hmm. His contract has absolutely zero value in the market. No one wants, wants, wants that contract. The only way you're getting off that contract is if he's averaging like 26, 27 points per game. And even then, maybe he's he's lifted the team up so much that you don't even want to trade him at that point. So, I mean, I, I think he's here to stay. I think he's going to be a sixer for, for for the duration of his contract. Um whether it be for the better or for the worse. Worse. Um, and then he says, avoid trading Matisse about class. We got to get away from the, the the avoid trading Matisse thing. matisse <laughs> style is not that good. Like, his ceiling is not that far above what he is right now. You're hoping he's like a 36% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's never going to be a shot creator. He, can bear, he can't He can dribble the basketball. Like He can't dribble the ball. Um, he can kind of finish at the rim. He's the, the Allure is obviously he's a great wing defender, but a lot of guys can be good wing defenders. And all you need to all you need to be a good wing defender, really, or have the potential to be a good wing defender is to have the motor and and and, and the size to do so. I think mean, a lot of guys have that now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so, Cheers mate fifty five says, Surely Josh has greater value than Corey Joseph. Um I'd think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so, but I also think that you give up losing that part of the trade. Um, you give up losing that part of the trade for the sake of you get back basically two th- two guys that fit three needs. Like you get a backup point guard, and you get Buddy Heald, who can who is your sniper plus another scorer. So I mean, I think you I think you you lose that part of the trade willingly if it means you get back Heald and you get off Horford contract. Um, are you mad? And says, Tease ain't that good." I'm out. Okay, but he he isn't that good.
1: Wow, we're doubling down,
0: Brock. You can't tell me that he's not was that good of a player. My I get
1: problem. everyone.
0: I get. I get. I get everyone loves him. But like, ask yourself, is he? He was a net negative on the basketball court on the offensive side. He. Was a very undisciplined on-ball defender. Often fell behind his guy in the pick and roll, and then rode him on the hip, and then got called for for fouls. He couldn't even really play he extended minutes in games because he got called for fouls. Sabol isn't that good of a player, and I don't think the I don't, I, 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 think, I think he's a fine, serviceable rotation. Def- I think he's a very good rotational defender, but I just don't see the ceiling for him as a player being that high above what he is now. And you can't let and given and given that you can't let what you like about him hold you back from acquiring a guy like Hilo and simultaneously getting off of a bad contract. You just can't.
1: I get the allure, and his personality is perfect for Philadelphia, which is why he blended so well with the fan base. Um, And and, and you know I'm a defensive appreciator, so I love the allure of Matisse Thibault as a basketball player. Uh, The problem is the offensive ceiling. Uh, The question is what can he become offensively? At best, you can maybe assume he'll develop into a Robert Covington offensive contributor where, yeah, he has the catch and shoot. He can move off ball. You, you can use him as a screener and a roller, and he can handle the ball occasionally. But in what we saw in his first season offensively, he has a lot of work to do. It's more of a project than you may anticipate, which is okay. Uh, I, I like his age. He, he came out of college with experience, so he, he's probably going to de- develop faster than than most guys out of the draft will. Um, but it's just what is that offensive ceiling like? So defensively, yeah, you'd love to keep him. Him and Ben Simmons would be a nightmare uh, for opposing teams. But it, it, if the return is something offensively really good, it, it'd be hard to give him up. I mean, it, it'd be hard not to give him up.
0: Yeah. What about argument to keep out, let him restore trade value? Here's the thing, though. I think it's a big gamble because if you if if, if you don't trade him. And he has a second consecutive season under a new head coach, where it's like it just doesn't make any sense. And he actively holds you back. You can't just hide behind the, the idea that it was Brett Brown's fault or the system wasn't good or whatever. Sure, you got to watch you, that. It's it's now that okay, he's an older player who is actively getting old, and it's making him a worse player. And we have to take on forty plus mil to, you know on, on against our cap. No thanks. So I think you. I think even if there's chance of that, you still have to get off of that contract before because the risk is too high. Um, Nadir Aja or Aga says, "I don't think Philadelphia deserves him." Meaning Furkan Korkmaz. Okay, it's an interesting, interesting thought.
1: Who does? Um, Who deserves him? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's going to commit to Furkan Korkmaz more than Bert I think.
0: I, I think, think the, the god damn. I think the NBA deserves him. By the NBA meaning the Norwegian Basketball Association
1: deserves him. Come on, there's, there's some 1st there's in the NBA. It was um, cool in the NBA, but yeah. I, they gave him a contract. He he said he didn't want to be in Philadelphia. He didn't like the playing time. So what did Brett Brown do? They said to hell with every other free agent. We're going to give this guy a three-year contract and I'm going to make him shoot the hell out of the basketball and grow him into a bomber. So I don't think anybody would have taken and, and pampered Cork miles as much as Philadelphia did. Let me ask you this. Is Korkmaz,
0: is was that miles being the, the best shooter and a breakout player on a team that was a 4-0 sweep and a 6-seed? Or was that him, like, breaking out for a team that – can that is a legitimate playoff team? Like I, I, I think yeah. if I, I, I think if I think if you have better pieces, you're not capped out next season, and he's still on the roster. I think he's in street clothes a lot of the nights.
1: Well, it, it could have been this too. How many threes a game does Ben Simmons shoot? It's true. Okay. It's true. Al Horford is your best catch and shoot option on the floor. Not many with this 76ers lineups, right? Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Matisse Stiebel. These are your catch and shooters, right? So if Furkan Korkmaz is the only guy that's going to catch and shoot and be used to come around screens and run DHOs and stuff of that sort, of course he's going to look like a good shooter. But the problem is, that's pretty much all his game is predicated upon. Uh, defensively, he did a better job this year handling his responsibilities, staying in front of guys. But uh, if he's not hitting his three ball, he's virtually unplayable. I think he's a very rep- a very replaceable player, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I I, I just – I also think that part of it was how can we mimic or re- replicate the J.J. Redick feel that Joel mm-hmm. had because Joel was obviously not in a good place this past year. Um, and I think that was like, okay, let's try Corkmaz, And so they they, they tried to do that. Um, Nadir Aga says, again, this is the last one before we actually have to go. Um, he is 33rd. Thirty third in the in the in three point percentage in the league, so that that's great. That's it's good, for, good for. You know for where
1: got you watching round two from your own home couch. Did, the- did you know
0: that for uh, Jason Capone won three point contest for the Miami Heat, and then he was out of the NBA uh, two years later? <laughs> like 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 that's great. You you have to be able to do more than that. Uh, he, I mean that's. That's a good. That's a good selling point. Seven or eight years. Thirty third in the NBA isn't even that. is even thats like it's good, but it's like, like <laughs> how are you going to bring that to like a meeting and be like, you know what? I was thirty third in the mba in three point percentage. I want my money. Like, no, what?
1: Furcon got his money, man. <laughs> he, he got his money and ran off on the plug twice. So
0: Philadelphia, yeah.
1: they're gonna have to live with that one.
0: Yeah, Brock, what do you got going on? It,
1: uh the Marcus, the the Marcus Cousins video is is coming. He, you, you, these fans are arrogant. Uh, I sure <laughs> might deserve better, but um, the DeMarcus video is coming out this weekend. Um, Austin, you might not like that one. I know you're. Did you you're, I I, tag you in that tweet? I did. I didn't want to get any <laughs> attention though. If if you guys listen and don't know, uh, there was a Twitter trend going around. Uh, your first name, hypothetically, is the player that you hated most 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And your last name is hypothetically the player you hate most now. So George Carl, former coach of DeMarcus Cousins in a Sacramento, um, right on cue, quote tweets it, DeMarcus Cousins with a snake emoji. I have no words for you and, and George Carl, Austin. I have no words for you, too. Who was the coach before George Carl? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I know who their assistant was when he was drafted. Is it Michael Malone? Uh, Mike Malone was a coach of the and, and they had a pretty good relationship, but I don't know if he came before or after George Carl.
0: I think it's, I just think it's interesting that all of these like older white right. boomers.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder yeah. what the common theme here is. Yeah, I, I these older is.
0: These, these, these older white boomers. Are, are, are the ones that don't like the market because I think you think it's an interesting theme. Um, last thing before we go, cheers, maybe if says, do we keep our second round picks and commit to getting a couple of bench pieces under new free, free uh, front office targets? I think they're going to sell off or like trade at least one of their second round picks. Um, but I think this is a year where they begin to value those assets because you just need, you, you desperately need cost effective depth on your, on the roster. And they don't have any of that. Um, and targets, uh, there's so many. Like I was uh, like Brock, you know how much I've been doing with the mock drafts um and the, the, the draft this season, and I finally solidified my top five, but I'm looking up and down like our evaluations from from the painted lines, and I keep thinking to myself, there are so many three and D wings and guys that can that can like are good off movement are athletic enough to, 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 to and big enough to defend multiple positions, can kind of put it on the floor a little bit and shoot off the dribble. I think there are so many options that you it's hard to narrow down one. I think that they really like Tyrell Terry and okay. Desmond Bain. Those would be the two that I think are kind of high up on their big board. A couple more names that I like, like Aaron Nesmith and uh, J- J- uh, Jamias Ramsey, Jamias Ramsey are a couple guys I think that I, that I like for them as well, but I think they'll go higher. Than what the Sixers or what what the Sixers have at the draft, Brock. So you have the um, you you have the video. You have the Demarcus Cousins video. What else you mm-hmm. got going on?
1: The Doc Rivers and Tobias Harris piece. I'm gonna let you all know why you don't have to worry about Tobias Harris contract for another year. I um, like it. Doc I Williams like it. Gotta, to steer the ship in the right right direction. You know
0: what's gonna happen? It's what? you know what's gonna happen is you'll you'll put it out there and then mm-hmm. someone will not, won't even watch the video. They'll just look at the title. Um, and I'll be like, no
1: contract in the league. There's yeah. like eight or nine worst contracts in the league and the Philadelphia Sixers. have two of them.
0: Yeah. He is Landis Brock on Twitter. He land or in real life. He is Brock Landis. I am Austin mm-hmm. Krell to find me on Twitter at NBA Krell. We can talk about Furcon Korkmaz Uh, Being a top 33 three-point shooter, talk about whatever you like, happy to talk. Um, As always, thank you for listening to The Feed to Embiid. We'll be back soon for another episode. Have a good night, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And we'll talk to you guys next time on The Feed to Embiid.